0: Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one bestselling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana. I am your host, as always. And today, I want to talk about three subtle forks in your relationship road. Okay? Now, what I mean by subtle is that there are three issues that I don't think people talk about very much. I think we overlook these things, and they are they can be a really big deal. They really can be some serious fork-in-the-road moments. But yet, I don't think I've spoken about them, at least not in depth, in this podcast. And I notice a lot of other relationship experts don't talk about these things very much. So I consider them to be, you know, real fork-in-the-relationship-road moments, but they're sort of subtle. And so... Let's just jump in, okay? Let's just go to the first one right here. And here, here's the choice. Here's the fork in the road. The first one. Are you going to be rigid or adaptable as your love life progresses? Are you going to be rigid or adaptable? Now, the older that we are, and the longer that we've been single, the more we tend to be rigid and inflexible and set in our ways. Is that not true? I think it's just a human nature thing. The older we get, you know, the more years we've been, been single and stuff, we, we just get into our routines, we get into our patterns, we get into our lifestyle, and we can sort of be set in our ways. This is one of the sneakiest barriers to attracting a great relationship. We get used to living a certain way, don't we? We do what we want, when we want, and how we want. Our living space is decorated and organized you know, the way we want it. Our schedules, where we go, what we do, even how we spend our money. It impacts no one but us. And frankly, this is one of the advantages to being single, right? We don't have to adapt, adjust, or modify our lives in any way for what someone else wants or who they are or how they like to live. But here's the question. What happens when you meet a person and they happen to be as stubborn and set in their ways as you are? And you will. (laughs) right what happens if you're sort of set in your ways and sort of you know are sort of rigid and you meet someone else who's used to living their life right they they they're single they might be single for a while they they may have their routines and they they may live the way they live and their life is organized the way they want it to be organized do you, do you see what i'm getting at here you're going to take one person who's living a certain way you know, spending their time, their energy, their money, organizing their lives and their homes a certain way. And you're going to try to put that together with another person who's also doing the same thing. So how's that going to work? You, this I don't think people talk about this enough because, you know, eventually you're going to meet someone, you fall in love and you're going to want to live together. At some point you're going to live together, get married, whatever, but you know, it's not very financially smart and it's maybe not very much fun to maintain two households. So you got these two people that are kind of living their way and the only one they report to is themselves. There's no one else really to consider. And then you're going to try to to blend your life together? Wow. So there's a big choice here. Are you rigid, inflexible, and unyielding? Now, I want to be clear about something, okay? I am not saying that in order to be in a relationship, you have to give up control of your life and become some sort of dormant. Nor am I saying that a relationship means you have to learn to compromise, which in my mind is a lose-lose mentality. I think I have spoken about this before. You know, in a healthy relationship, there the word compromise is a dirty word. There's no need to compromise. If two people are curious and creative, they can figure out situations where both of us win. We don't have to, you know, lose, lose. We don't have to manage our losses. Like you have to give up just as much as I'm giving up. Because otherwise it's like, no, I'm giving up more in this relationship than you are. And then, you know, resentments build and and bitterness builds and so forth. And, you know, that's how the conventional world looks at these things. You got to kind of keep score, keep track. Well, I gave up that. So you have to give up that, right? That ain't, and that's not healthy. That's going nowhere. In a great relationship, people are together and they stand for each person being and living in full alignment with who they believe themselves to be, right? So nobody has to give up of anything of significance or importance in order to be in the relationship. We can be in a relationship and both of us win. But that takes a little creativity. That takes maybe some outside-the-box thinking. And it really takes a big dose of curiosity. I wonder how we can be together together to where your wishes and your needs and your wants and your lifestyle can be honored fully. While at the same time, my needs and my wants and, you know, what's important to me is honored fully. Can we be together and neither one of us be diminished or have to sacrifice or lose themselves in some way? So as I talk about this issue about being Rigid or adaptable? The answer, of course, is to be adaptable, obviously, right? You're going to have to adapt, but that doesn't mean, adapt doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you compromise. It doesn't mean that you just get smothered and that you lose you know, control of your life. It, it doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that, you will need to take another person into consideration. It doesn't mean that you will have to look at the way you're spending your time or your energy, your money, and the way you're living and say, okay, the way I live, the way I want to do it does impact this person. And now I'm, I, I'm taking them into consideration. I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm doing in relation to us versus just me. That's the shift. When we're single, basically, even if you have a roommate for the most part, um, when you're single, it's just me. There's no we. So when you, you this fork in the road moment is to look at your life and say, am I going to make, can, can I, am I willing to make the shift from me to we? And what would that look like? How would I manage that? But again, I'm underscoring that the shift from me to we doesn't mean that you have to lose control of your time, your energy, your money. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean you have to compromise things that are important to you. It just means you you create this kind of state of consciousness where the two of you are coming together and you're standing for no one loses here. Let's find a way to honor both of us and to create a life together where both of us are flourishing and no one is compromising. Do you see that? So both people are coming to the situation saying I'm willing to adapt, I'm willing to be creative, I'm I'm willing to be curious, but we're both standing for the idea that we want to figure this out to where nobody is becoming a sacrificial lamb in order for us to be together. Now, I want to point you to three aspects of this that will come up, okay? There's a logistical adaptation, there is a psychological adaptation, and there is an energetic adaptation, okay? So let me let me take these one at a time. So when two stubborn people begin to blend their lives together... <laughs> You know, there's the possibility of turf wars, right? Each person is used to their structure, their way, their system, and having complete control of everything, all right? So, I mean, for example, my wife and I have very different definitions of what clean is, (laughs) okay? And she buys lots of organic food, and I really wonder if the whole organic thing is nothing but propaganda and a way to... Take more of my money, okay? Um, and then also, every few months or so, my wife just rearranges the furniture and pictures and plants in our home for no reason, other than I, I think that she knows it drives me insane. <laughs> like, like every once in a while, she'll she'll get on a cleaning spree, you know, because I don't, I'm not that, I don't dust and do all that stuff. I mean, if I was single, I'd pay someone to do all that crap, but she'll come in my office and she'll, she'll clean my office. She'll dust and clean my office and things are moved all over the place. Like where are the books? You know, where, where, where did my computer microphone go for my podcast? And she she just moves stuff all over the place. And I, I just think she, she likes change. I think the feminine enjoys change, enjoys flow. And I, and the masculine just is very static, you know, keep it the same way, keep it simple and efficient and you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, so let's, let's bring it home to you. So what if your future partner sleeps on your side of the bed or just has weird sleeping habits in general? What if they, what if, what if you're with someone who never throws anything away? Or they have more shoes or and clothes in a mall, <laughs> okay? What if he wants a man cave? Or what if someone is a bit OCD or wants control of the AC? Or God forbid, what if somebody's a morning person <laughs> and you're not? Do you follow me? Do you see how important this stuff is? I mean, you can meet someone, have great chemistry, and you might even be really compatible and your relationship might be awesome when you're not living together, <laughs> but then when you have to live together, um, all these other things start to come to the surface that I don't think people talk about this stuff, but they're important. So you know, having a life partner is wonderful, right up in the time up until the time you have to move in together. Okay, so. There's some logistical adaptations that are going to have to take place. Now, there's also sol- psychological adaptations. I mean, I think, I've said this before, I think God has a strange sense of humor because one of the divine laws of the universe is that opposites attract. Think about how cruel that is. You know, it's it might be important that two people share a few things in common when they're together. It's, it's certainly important that you're compatible in your lifestyles and in your relationship building blueprint. You know, I've talked about that before, but the person you're going to attract is going to be your opposite in many ways. So I I wrote a blog one time that was titled something like why my wife and I are completely incompatible and why that's a good thing. Something like that. My wife and I are completely incompatible and yet that's a good thing. And Here's what I mean by that. Um, let me give you some things about our relationship just to get you a feel for some of the psychological um, adaptations <laughs> that you're going to have to make or at least to consider if you're going to create a healthy, sustainable relationship. So like for me, I rarely speak to anyone in my family. I've got two sisters and a brother. I, I, I rarely speak to anyone in my family other than my son. My wife, however, is on the phone all the time. She's intimately involved in the lives of her kids, her sisters, her mother, her nieces, her nephews, their kids. I mean, it exhausts me just to think about it, okay? I'm athletic and extremely competitive, and my favorite channel is ESPN. She has zero interest in sports. She'll watch the Super Bowl, but only for the commercials, okay? (laughs) She doesn't have a competitive bone in her body, and she likes the Hallmark Channel, especially this time of year, getting near the holidays. Oh, my God. Okay, make me puke. All right? (laughs) Okay. I'm aggressive. She's easygoing. I'm a risk taker. She's cautious. I'm impulsive. She's thoughtful. I'm a hare. She's a tortoise. I'm entrepreneurial. She's a team player. I'm a big picture guy. Like, I haven't balanced my checkbook in decades. I just trust the banks won't get it wrong. My wife has a detail-oriented spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet for everything, (laughs) okay? I like to be out in public, to be out in front, to be in front of a microphone, in front of a, on a stage, and she likes to stay in the background and not be seen. I like to go out of the house. She's a homebody. Okay, so... You and your future partner, you know, I mean, you may or may not be as different as I am from my wife, but make no mistake about it. Your psychology and your personalities are going to be different. It's guaranteed. It's the law of opposites. So the issue is, are you willing to adapt them or are you rigidly going to think that your way is right and then try to change them to be more like you, which by the way, is the best way to keep yourself single find a person, tell them they're wrong for living and moving and doing things the way they do and try to change them into the right way, which is your way. There you go. That's a great way to stay single. Okay? So we've talked about the logistical adaptation, we've talked about the psychological adaptation because you're going to marry your opposite or be attracted to your opposite. And then we go a little deeper here. The there's an energetic adaptation now, let me see if I can explain this because this is, this is really, really powerful, okay? So when you're single and living on your own, you really do need to animate both your masculine and your feminine side in order for you to live an effective life because the masculine and feminine energies exist within all human beings. We've got both of those energies, okay? And when you're single... You need to tend to your to the direction of your life, maybe the direction of your career, maybe to your budget, to your future, to how you might invest your money. Right? You've you've got to be paying attention to the direction of your life and, and and where it's going and what your goals are and stuff like that. That is your masculine side. Whenever you're tending to your direction to where you want to go, to a goal, and how you're going to get there, you're, you're using your masculine muscle to do that, no matter if you're a man or a woman. okay. But there's also sort of the connection part of your life. There's the mission part. There's a the connection part. So when you're single, you're also tending to your connections in life. You're tending to the flow of love in your life, to your relation, to your friendships to the beauty of your home, to the way it feels to you, right? So when you're a single person, you're sort of, in a way, you're meeting your needs yourself. If you if you need to pay attention to your masculine, I mean, to, to your direction, you'll bring your masculine. If you need to pay attention to the flow of love in your life and your friendships and your connections and your personal growth and you know, your clothing, your home, and, you know, the beauty aspects of your life, and then you're going to bring your feminine to that. Okay, so you're bringing both of those to your life. Now, having said that, you will recognize that you have a favorite. Like most people, single people, even though they know they have a masculine and feminine side, they have a preference, that they're more at home in one or the other, and they would rather do one and really avoid the other. But when you're single, you can't. Right? If you're a if you're a feminine oriented person, you you can't. If you're single, you can't ignore the direction of your life and the way your career's going. And you know, are you going to buy a house? Are you going to extend your lease? And where's your life headed? You you can't ignore that stuff. Otherwise, your life will spin in circles and it'll be a disaster, right? So you might not like doing that, but you need to do it. And you could be a masculine person. And you know, you might need to put a few pieces of furniture in your house. You might need to buy a plant. You know, you might need to to you know, to I don't know, change the sheets. You might you might you might need to reach out to your friends to, you know, to to hang out and have some social connection. To, to maintain the, the flow of love in your life e- even if you're a guy. I mean love is still important. We don't always say it that way as guys. Um, but but our connections and with other people and family can are still an important thing. So you might not like all of that, but if you want to be a well-rounded person, you're gonna if you're a masculine being, you're gonna have to tend to your feminine side. You follow me? Okay. The main point there is that you have a preference. Just like I often say, you have a right hand and a left hand, correct? You have both hands. You have a masculine and feminine. You've got both sides. But most of us are either right-handed or left-handed, meaning we're more comfortable with the one hand than the other. We use it more often than the other. It's sort of our, our home hand. I'm right-handed. Okay, There are a few ambidextrous people that can use either hand equally well, and there are a few people in relationships that are very balanced in their masculine-feminine, but the vast majority of us are either right-handed or left-handed. We got both hands, but we prefer one or the other. And we have both of these energies, but we really prefer one or the other, okay? Now, remember I just said opposites attract, and on one of the levels that opposites attract is on this masculine-feminine spectrum. If you're more at home in the feminine, you're going to be attracted to a man who's more at home, or a woman even, a person who is more at home in the masculine. Do you follow me? So it doesn't matter what your gender is. Gender has nothing to do with this, right? You can be a female and be more at home in the masculine and you can be a male and be more at home in the feminine. But what I'm saying is those energies, when they're opposites, they attract. So let's just say, let's do it the conventional way. Let's just say you're a woman. You're at, you're more at home in the feminine than you are in the masculine. And yet you've been single for a while. So you are animating your masculine side, right? You're, you're directing your life you're making decisions you're making plans you're setting budgets you're you're bringing discipline and structure to your life otherwise your life just spins in circles if if someone has to pay attention to that when you when you meet someone who is going to be of the opposite energy they are going to want To bring that energy to the relationship and take charge of that area. Do you follow me? Now, hold on here now. Don't don't get lost. Remember, you're a single woman and you're animating both energies for yourself. But you're more at home in the feminine. Then you meet this guy who's very masculine. He's more at home in the masculine stuff. Like he likes decisions and structure and discipline and direction. It's just natural to him. He flows there, right? When, when you become a couple, he is going to want to direct your relationship. He's going to want to give that gift, that part that's, that he's so good at, that he's so at home at, he's going to want to bring that to your life. Are you willing to let him direct your life? Are you willing to relax your masculine, which you have been doing because you're single? You've been disciplined and structured and budgeting and doing and, and tending to the direction of your life. Are you willing to, when you meet this guy, to adapt and let him take over that aspect of your life? In other words, are you willing to, to stop being the man for yourself? Are you willing to stop having big balls that you have had to have as a single woman? You need you need to have a big set of balls in your life if you're a single woman. Did you follow me on that? That's not an insult. That, that, that's something very important. But when you meet this guy, he wants to wear the pants. Maybe that might be a better... <laughs> he wants to give his balls... You might say, well, I'd be be fine, (laughs) right? In other words, you've been wearing the pants in your single life. And good for you, you're supposed to. But now you meet a guy, he wants to wear the pants in the relationship. And you're going to butt heads if you aren't willing to let go of animating your own masculine, which you're not as good at as he is. All things being equal, if a person's more aligned with the masculine, than a woman is that person is better at masculine things but but it's so difficult sometimes as a woman to back off of the direction that you've been giving your life all along but he wants to come into your life and that's his gift that's how he wants to love you that's how he wants to express his love that's, that's how his presence is, is going to permeate your lives He wants to drive the car, but as a single woman, now we're mixing metaphors left and right, but as a single woman, you've been driving, you had to drive. So you're going to have to see, are you willing to let go of that part? Now we could have a big discussion about whether you should trust a man in that way, right? If he's not trustable, then you would never let him drive. If you feel like he's going to drive my car off the cliff, then I'm not going to let him drive, but then you shouldn't be with him. If you meet a man who wants to begin navigating your lives because he's good at that and you don't feel like you can trust him, then you shouldn't be with him. But to be with him and fight over who's going to be driving, which is what's going to happen, you're just in for trouble. But the opposite is also just as true. So let's just say you're a man. And you have been both, as a single man, you've been wearing the pants and you've been wearing a dress. <laughs> I mean, you, you've you been bringing both your masculine direction to your life, but you've also been managing your connections. Right? The masculine manages direction. The feminine manages connection. The masculine is about go. Where are we going? The feminine is about flow. How are we flowing? How are we feeling? Right? You've been doing that for yourself, whether you know it or not, you've been doing that for yourself because you need both to be a decently happy, well-adjusted person. Okay. But you know, in your heart of hearts, you manage the connections, but that's not your thing you're much more comfortable in your masculine now you meet this this woman and the connection the flow the feeling that energetic she's a genius at that that's what makes her tick her her socialness her, her commitment to love the priority of the flow of love and people and relationships and connections when she When she joins you in your life, she is going to want to give that gift to you. She's going to want to bring her feminine and give it to you as a gift and manage your connections, manage the way your home feels, maybe how it's decorated. That doesn't mean you don't have a say. Don't go crazy with this. But the feminine is about that. It's about the flow, the feel, the the energetics of it all. She's going to want to give you that. Unless you want to fight all the time, you are going to have to be willing to give up that part of your life and let her give it to you. Now, on the surface, it sounds like who would ever argue with that? If If I'm a woman and I'm a a feminine oriented woman, I would love for a guy to come make the decisions. Yeah. That's what it sounds like right now, but it's a little different story when you've been single for a while and you're allowing that person to bring their consciousness and presence to your life to where you let go of that area and you really surrender and trust. Okay. And for a guy who's like, I don't like all that feminine stuff and it needs to be done. And so I do it and I try, but I'm not very good at it. And I really do care about my friends and my family. But man, I don't like managing my social schedule and my calendar and reaching out to this person and connecting and you know organizing a family thing or a holiday. Ah, I can do that shit, but I don't really want to. You would think, well, that's one reason why I would love to have a woman in my life so she can do all that. Yeah, it sounds good until that person actually begins to do that. And then you're like, I don't like how this house is 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 being run. I don't like the way this decoration stuff. And, you know, you can start to want to control the part of your life that she wants to give her gift in. Am I making this clear? This is kind of complicated. And if I'm confusing you, I apologize. Just call me up. Let's talk about this we can probably handle it easier in a one-on-one conversation. Send me an email. But this is, this is the energetic adaptation. You are going to attract someone who's different from you and they're going to want to give their gift to you. Are you willing to vacate that area and let them have it? And the longer you've been single, the more difficult that is because you're used to doing it your way. It's been working fine. But but if you want that person to feel fulfilled in the relationship, if you want them to feel like they have something to offer you, see, that's kind of the point here. When you're giving both of these things to yourself, it's like when you meet someone, if, if you sort of let them know that you're fine, you've got it all together, you're managing your life and you, you're managing your direction, you're managing your connections then you project to the person that I don't need you. There's nothing you can offer me. I'm wearing the pants and the dress. Right? I mean, I'm driving the car and I'm riding shotgun, you know, making, you know, finding music on the iPod or iPad or your phone. or You know what I'm saying? It's like if you're giving everything to yourself and you meet someone, they're like, oh, she doesn't need me. He doesn't need me. That, That's one of the biggest issues that is keeping you single is that people have told you that you have to have all your shit together and you can never let anyone know that you're needy or that, that you would love someone to care for you in a certain way. So what you do is you project this, this image of invulnerability, this image of strength, this image of, Oh man, I, I'm kicking ass and taking names and I've got it all together. And that person is just going to feel like I, they don't need me. That, what, I, what I really would like to offer, they already have. And so they move on to someone else. Someone else who is willing to be in the dating scene and let people know that they are really wanting this opposite energy to be given to them. So a, a woman would be in the dating scene saying, I'm so hungry for a man's presence in terms of him directing our lives and bringing his his decision-making and his planning and his wisdom. I would so love to receive that. And that doesn't mean you don't have a say. It doesn't mean that you're being controlled and told what to do. That's not it. If I make it sound that way, that's because I'm a bad communicator. <laughs> that's, that's not it at all. It's like if you're riding in a car, he's driving. That doesn't mean you don't have any say on where you're going. Okay, (laughs) it's just that your hands are not on the wheel. You're trusting him. You'll get us there. But of course, there's a collaboration on what you're doing as a couple and where you're going and how you're spending your money. Do you follow me? The main point is, is that we can project this idea that I'm self-sufficient. Isn't that what women have been told? Be self-sufficient. You know, you got to have control of everything. You know, you don't need a man, all that feminist stuff. Which, on the one hand, is important for women to feel empowered soci- socially, economically, legally, in every way. And yet, if you're this self-sufficient woman, I don't need anything. I'm uh, there. There's no vulnerability in me, you know. Then men are just going to feel like ah, there's nothing I can give her. She's already got it. And the same goes for men. You you project an idea that. All the flow in your life and the connections and you're on that and this is great and you're home and the way your whole energetic life is organized and if you if if you just project this this attitude, I don't need a woman, then you won't have one. Cause she's looking to give her feminine gifts to you. I mean <laughs> I don't know how to say this without being kind of it is kind of funny, but it's like if you're a guy you know, like one of the best things you can do to to convince a woman, you know, to be with you is like have a clean home, but a lifeless, boring, um, black and white sort of undecorated home and then have her over. And she's just going to be like, oh, my God, you need me. <laughs> Oh my God. Look at this place. All you got in your refrigerator is a jar of mustard and a six pack of beer and you got nothing on the walls. And all you got is a comforter on your bed. You don't have any pillows. You don't have any throw pillows, you know, and, and I'm not trying to, to define the feminine in just an interior decorator persona, right? But that is the an area of the feminine love. So I'm sort of being funny, but I'm trying to make a point is that, you know, If you invite a woman over and your house is like out of one of the magazines, she'd be like, I don't know, this guy doesn't need me. I mean, you know, he's a better woman than I am. Do you follow me? But if you you let a person know that, that I'm on my masculine edge, but man, I could really use the feminine in my life. And if you're a woman who's like, I'm on my feminine side, man, I could really use the masculine in my life. Then the person says, oh, you... You need me. You, I have something to offer you and you actually want it. You're, you're not a better man than me and you're not a better woman than me. <laughs> do, you, do you follow me? So we could go on for days uh, about that. But that's your first choice. It is, are you rigid or are you adaptable logistically, psychologically, and energetically? Okay? Now, the second choice that you need to make. This one goes kind of quick. The second fork in the road type of thing is, are you occupied or available? Right? Think of a hotel. Imagine you go into a hotel, you walk in the lobby, you kind of get a room for the night. Nope, we're full. There's no room. There's no room in the inn. Okay? Um, That's how a lot of us feel to other people in the dating word, world, our lives are so full and they're so busy, there's no room for someone. So, you know, quality single people, they lead busy, full lives, right? I mean, between your career, your family, maybe children, friends, hobbies, managing your household and other interests. I mean, you don't have a, a large blocks of free time in your schedule, do you? I mean, you probably find find it difficult to find time to listen to this podcast, Because nobody wants to sit around feeling lonely with nothing to do. So we keep ourselves pretty busy with people, activities, and commitments. It's totally understandable. But an intimate relationship takes up a lot of time and space in our lives. So here's something we don't talk about very much. Is there room in your life for a relationship? Seriously. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy because you're listening to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast and one of the most important things you want for your life is to attract the partner. And I'm saying, is there space available for him or her? Or is your life so occupied and busy that you don't even know where a partner would fit? Now, as an example, when I first met my wife, she had been single for 10 years. There was space in her life for me. But at the same time, I sort of met her sister. I had zero romantic interest in her sister. But what I discovered is that my wife's sister was a pretty attractive woman. She had a good job, right? Uh, I think she'd make a great partner. Um, and, but I don't think she was really interested in finding someone. But if she were, I don't. there's no way a guy could fit in her life. She had both of her daughters and their families living with her, a total of eight people in a relatively small home. And she was so emotionally wrapped up in her kids' lives and caring for her other family members that there's no way that she could date, much less seriously engage with a man. Now, that's sort of an extreme example, but I think you see my point. Your life can be so consumed with work or so wrapped up in the lives of others or so obsessed with hobbies or other interests that you're literally undateable. Now, again, a caveat. Does this mean you have to quit your job and ignore your family and sit home alone, twiddling your thumbs so that there's space in your life for a partner? <laughs> of course not, <laughs> right? But you you do need to probably audit your life and consider where your partner is going to fit. Like, it's only 24 hours in a day. And when you meet someone, you're going to want to spend some time with them. You're, you're going to want to be with them a, a significant amount, right? So since your life is already full, what's, what are you going to give up? What are you going to let go of? Where do you put them in your schedule? What do you take out of your schedule? What do you change? Now, you might meet someone, they love to do the same hobbies as you. You know, maybe you play golf and they play golf. Oh well, then that's easy, right? But there's gonna be there's gonna be this rub between your life is full. You meet someone, you want to spend a lot of time with them. Something's got to give. Now, there's no way to answer this for you. You have to figure this out. You, you, but can you see how this can sabotage your love life? Right. I mean, let's just say you meet someone this week. I mean, that could happen. Let's just say you meet someone this week. And because, you know, that's sort of the way I met my wife. I mean, I, it was a totally random, unexpected thing when I met my wife and we hit it off immediately and I was going out of town the very next day. But if I wasn't, I would have wanted to see her again. But what if she was like her sister? Right. And you know what I mean? So like, what if she said to me, uh, Roy, I can fit you in um, three a, a week from a week from the second Thursday of next month. I got an hour free. <laughs> right? okay, I'm like, ah, no, that's not it. I mean, I, I'd for, like to see you tomorrow. I'd like to get together right away. It's Like, no, I look at my schedule here. There's not an opening until you know whatever three weeks from now for a couple of hours on a, a Tuesday night. You know. Um, so I'm giving you some drastic examples just to make a point. Is there room in the inn? And there's going to need to be if you're going to have a partner. So it's just something to think through. Where are they going to fit in your life? And if you do meet someone randomly, just you bump into them, something happens, you you weren't ever expecting it. Could you see them in a couple of days when they say, "Hey, what are you doing Friday?" No, that might mean you cancel something. Maybe you're doing things that you would easily cancel if you met someone cute or handsome. Fine, but it, it's it's my point is, this is something you need to think about, and I don't think people talk about this very much. Okay? Now, lastly, so the first one, just to review, was are, are you going to be rigid or adaptable? The second one, are you going to be... Um, Occupied or available? And the third one is, are you going to be someone who's shallow or deep? Or do you want a relationship to be shallow or deep? This is, I I do touch on this sometimes, but I I touch on it in some different, different terminology. But let me ask you this are we going to follow the impulses in our pursuit of intimacy? Are we going to follow our impulses of the shallow self or the deeper self? In other words, are we going to align with ego or essence when it comes to kind of our love lives? Because ego and essence has completely different agendas. Okay, now you know that everybody has a list, right? I'm not big on having a list, and this is one of the reasons why. But everybody has a list, and you know it's usually thought to be the be all, end all of attraction, and it's not. It's if it if it if it's important at all, it's a very small part of the process. I mean, who we are is way more important than who we want. Okay, but people got the list, so let me let me ask you this. Um, who's going to be in charge of what goes on your list and what doesn't? Ego or essence? Your shallow self or your deeper self? Who's writing your list? Okay. (laughs) Okay, The ego is that fear-driven, image-conscious, shallow part of us while essence is our deeper, more authentic, fearless self. Okay. So, Let me risk some overgeneralizations here. When the male ego is running the show, there are two things that are important to that shallow self of of a man. And that is a woman's age and how beautiful she is. Okay? I would say mostly it's her age. Like, when the male ego is running the show, man, he wants a woman who's younger than him, probably significantly younger than him. And why is that? Why is that? I would tell you that having been a guy, <laughs> I'm still having been a guy, I'm still a guy, <laughs> just so you know, haven't gone through any transgender uh, reassignment here. Um the there's something about being seen with your buddies and in the world with a woman who's younger than you. Okay, there's a real ego boost. If I I'm 62 right now, and if I was with a woman who's 42, I was like, hey man, wow, look, check that guy out. Now <laughs> yeah, she's 20 years younger than him, right? And the other part is being with someone younger it sort of can make us feel young and, and maybe help us distract ourselves from dealing with our own mortality. Like as we get older, death becomes an issue, right? And when you're with someone younger, it, 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 make, it, it kind of distracts you from your age a little bit. This is how the male ego thinks. So as a guy, you have to ask yourself, is that part of me going to be determining who I date or am I going to be going from my essence now i think i've mentioned on this podcast that my wife is older than me and when i first met her i was still working with my coach and i remember pretty early on in the process telling my coach that i i just this woman was great she's beautiful she's fun i like talking to her she's spiritual we we're compatible in all the important ways, and I, I said, and I had some hesitancy in my voice. My my coach was like, "Okay, so, like, what's the problem?" I'm like, "Well, she's a couple years older than me." And she said to me, "Like, you're telling me that you're attracted to her, that you're spiritually aligned, that you really enjoy her personality and her company, and you're thinking about letting her go because she's a couple years older than you." I'm like, "Oh, yeah," she said. She said, Roy, get the fuck over it. That is pure fucking ego. Like, she got angry with me because the ego sometimes needs a kick in the balls. So she just challenged, like, what's that, man? Are you kidding me? Are you going to be that shallow of a guy? And I'm like, you know, you're right. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to play that game. You know, so her age has never bothered me since. Okay? So, that's for you guys listening there, here, here's the danger. Just because a woman's younger and all that other kind of stuff, that doesn't mean at three o'clock in the morning when the shit hits the fan that she's a person you can depend on, a person you can really confide in, a person that can really be supportive when you're challenged by something. Now, that doesn't mean you doesn't mean a younger woman can't do that for you. So don't miss the point. I'm saying... If that's the primary thing you're looking for, like I, I'm telling you, it's how guys think. Like, I don't care about X, Y, or Z. If she's 15 years younger than me, I'm all in, right? So, if that is, if that's at the top of your list, I'm saying that's your list is being made by your shallow self, and you're going to come re- to 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 really um, regret it. Okay. Now on the feminine side. Because the feminine's got ego, too. Okay, don't let anybody tell you they don't. They do. And when the shallow self of the feminine is making a list, on the top is how much money he's got. Right? Why is money important? Well, on, you know, on one level, I will grant you that a man's financial independence and his financial stability does speak to his character and to his discipline, so, in a sense, it could speak to his trustworthiness. So, I sort of understand, right? But that ain't why. When the feminine is coming from ego, a man's money, having a man with money, says something to your friends just like having a young, beautiful woman says to an older guy and his friends. Right? There's an image issue that you're with the guy that has lots of money. He can buy you things. He can take you places and do things. And it looks good to your friends, right? That that I'm telling you, ladies, don't deny your own ego in the midst of your friend's you know, opinion of you and how it looks. We always accuse men of that, and rightly so, because men are very image conscious, you know, how their friends look at them with the woman they're with, okay? But women do it, too. And a man's money distracts a woman from her fear of death. It's her survival instinct. Like, I'm safe. I'm secure when a man has money. I can't be hurt. Right? I, I'm safe. So that's just ego. Because a woman can, can make their own money and provide their own safety. Right? So all I'm saying is that another question that people don't talk enough about is who is determining what you're looking for is it your ego or your essence is it your shallow self saying you want someone young and you know you know just a pyt a pretty young thing okay and that's the number one thing on your list and if you're a woman is it how big is his wallet man how much how much cash does he have Everything else is sort of secondary to that. Now, just own this. I've I've worked with a lot of clients where the guys have had to admit that, yeah, I mean, the most important thing. I mean, if I meet a woman who's an awesome woman, she's attractive, she's healthy, she takes care of herself, you know, she's kicking ass in her career, she's a person, you know, that she's got her shit together, but she's eight years older than me. This guy won't give her a time of day. No way. There's no way. Okay? And the shallow woman can meet some guy. This guy's present. He's trustworthy. He's on his game. He's living his life with clarity. He's kind. Right? He's he's spiritually deep. He's a great listener. He's just a great man. But he teaches third grade school and we know how much teachers make. Eh, Sorry, dude, not going out with you because that guy over there is a jackass and he's driving a Lamborghini. Yeah, I I hate to be insulting here, but just like my coach had to kick me in the nuts about my ego, maybe today's podcast is me kicking you. (laughs) Because if age and money are what's Driving the major things that you want in a partner, you need a kick in the ass. Only from the standpoint, not that you're wrong or that it's bad or that it's sinful, none of that crap, but just that once you get into life, man, how much money this guy makes doesn't really make that much of a difference. Yeah, you can go on vacations and you can get some really nice jewelry and stuff like that, But at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, when you're going through a panic attack or when someone in your family dies and, you know, and you need a man to depend on him, I'm telling you how much money he's got doesn't matter. And it's the same way for guys. You're going to regret it if if you're really just looking for some pretty young thing when all of a sudden you got big boy issues and you need a woman of some depth. To navigate those waters with you, so that this is a choice: Are you going to be shallow or deep in your pursuit of intimacy? Okay. Well, there's your weekly kick in the butt. Uh, I promise not to do it again for at least another week or two. <laughs> but he who needs to be kicked, be kicked. Some of you listening might not need that. You you you're not like that. you're, your 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 shallow self is not picking your partner. And I'm good for you. So I'm projecting a little bit. When I was single, my shallow self was picking my partners. Okay? And I got my ass kicked. And I'm thankful for it. Otherwise I wouldn't be with the woman I am today. And I'm I don't know, but I'm pretty sure my life would be worse for it. Okay. Alright. So there you go. Um, what do we call this? Like three subtle forks in the in your relationship road. And until next week, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.